Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal here on September 11, 2012. And let me ask the question everybody gets asked, Bill, where were you 12 years ago today? I was right here, actually, in Washington. Uh, I remember I was having breakfast at the Mayflower Hotel, which is just a, was a block from our office with a friend, uh, uh, just a routine thing. And a colleague from the, uh, from the Weekly Standard came down to, knew I was there, I guess, and uh, came down around quarter to nine, I guess, and said, uh, you know, sorry to interrupt your breakfast, but I think you might want to come back to the office. Something pretty un- unbelievable and terrible is going on in New York. So we actually, you know, paid the bill and left. And uh, and so I was here at the Weekly Standard all day. Um, it was, it was of course, a terrible and kind of uncanny day. The White House uh, was evacuated around 10, 10.30 that morning, as I recall. And there were a couple of people from the White House, one of whom I think had worked here before, called up and said, hey, we just need a place to work. And we're sort of dispersing to various law firms and play. Can we come use your office? And so a couple of people sat here during the day uh, from the speech writing shop, actually trying to help out with the president's speech. But um, yeah, it was it was spooky. And of course, being I, I don't know, I, the whole country obviously reacted to it. But I, I do think for people in New York and Washington, and I guess in Pennsylvania, obviously, uh, and of course people whose relatives were on the planes, but um, and were otherwise involved. But there was something. It, it was more intense here. Right. You know, our son was at school, and when he went out, I think, for a break between classes, looked up, didn't know anything was happening at that point, uh, and, the, you know, virtually saw the plane at the Pentagon and, mm-hmm. and the smoke, uh, or at least saw the smoke coming up from the Pentagon very shortly after the plane had hit. So, you know, there's something about it. Was, it's, uh, it is, there aren't that many days that you know you don't that you remember where you were right i mean you remember a lot of personal dates there aren't sure. that many like national days that i i think that are everyone in the country knows exactly where he was when he heard something i do think for my generation november 22nd 1963 was such a day when kennedy was assassinated obviously for an older generation pearl harbor i'm not sure after kennedy all the way till 2001 that there was an actual day of that kind of national significance um until until uh, until 9-11. And now the question people are asking is, what is the significance today? And uh, I happen to believe that if you want proof that we have not kept our commitment to never forget, you see it with the uh, what's happened in the past year with Benghazi and the idea of a terrorist attack on 9-11 that would go unanswered. And I think you see it for me in this kind of unseriousness of President Obama's foreign policy. Can we really afford to go back? Not, I don't mean this is insult to Bill Clinton because nobody got it, but can we afford to go back to the 1990s era where terrorism was just, hey, one of those things that happens doesn't really require a major response, and it's always going to kind of be there as a, a small annoyance. And, of course, on 9-11 we found out, no, it's much, much bigger. You know, I had the same thought last night watching the president's speech. He preferred again, as he so often does, to the decade that's very difficult and a wearying decade of war we've been in, and, and he, he talks about it as if it just sort of happened, or we decided to fight a couple of wars, or, you know, there were sort of random events that dragged us in, as if that wasn't all driven by 9-11. And he doesn't mention 9-11 in that context. When he speaks about 9-11, the president's fine. His remarks today seemed appropriate. Um, I just skimmed them, but I didn't see them. But um, but, but he doesn't when he's talking about something like uh, about last night. That doesn't mean that, you know, you have to approve the Iraq war or think it was the right response to 9-11, but of course it was within that context. So there is something, I think, you know, the left since the beginning has not wanted to allow 9-11 to be a fundamentally important event. I don't mean to say that they don't care about the people who are killed or anything like that, but, but Tom Friedman wrote a piece in 2004, right before the election, a pro-John Kerry piece, saying 
I'm in effect, well, actually, I have it here because I criticized it at the time, and I just looked, at, looked up my editorial from then. Uh, he criticized the Bush administration for being addicted to 9-11. He praised John Kerry, this is Tom Friedman, for wanting to put terrorism back into perspective. I want a president who can one day restore September 11th to its rightful place on the calendar as the day after September 10th and before September 12th. I don't want it to become a day that defines us because ultimately September 11th is about them, the bad guys, not about us. We're about the 4th of July. And, and at the time, I wrote something in November of 2004 just for the election saying this is wrong. I mean, November 11th is a day that in some ways defines our task in the 21st century. And in part, that's because 9-11 is not just a story of murder and, you know, nihilistic terrorism and Islamic terrorism being directed against us. It's also a day of American heroism, really remarkable heroism, obviously, uh, at Ground Zero and on the flight, on United Flight 93, really an amazing story when you think about it. Um, and 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 the reaction to 9-11, I think, was quite impressive on the part of Americans. And Dean Barnett, uh, who, who unfortunately died young a few years ago, um, wrote a wonderful piece for us back in 2007 on the 9-11 generation, the young people who were volunteering for service, partly motivated by 9-11. One of the, I just looked at the piece again. I'd forgotten this. One of the people featured in the piece is Tom Cotton, uh, then uh, fighting, I think then still in the Army, uh, who had, uh, Dean profiles him, uh, someone who had been at Harvard, and Harvard Law School, and then volunteered and insisted they wanted to become an infantry officer and did. Uh, and, of course, now is Congressman from Arkansas. So, um, and, and others are profiled as well, uh, equally admirable in, in their willingness to serve. So I, I think, you know, for the left, as Friedman says, 9-11 is something to be moved beyond. I don't think that's really a, a fundamentally correct intellectually, and I don't think it accords with what a lot of Americans sense, which is that this is a huge moment and a moment that the response to which sort of tests us as a nation. Uh, it's interesting to think about 9-11 as a day of the bad guys, because I, 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 my argument would be that he's right in this, in this sense that the bad guys hit us at the World Trade Center in 1993 and we refused to notice and they hit the Cobar Towers, and we refused to notice, and then they blew up not one, but two embassies, and we still refused to notice, and they blew up a warship, and we still... Well, that's big, finally, 9-11 was the, uh, the rest of the world, and in particular, the Middle East, grabbing America by the lapels and saying, you are going to notice us. Your actions or lack of actions here will have consequences. They will reach you. And that's what I mean when I think about never forget and what we have clearly forgotten. We... There are people honestly saying we can ignore the Middle East again and everything will be fine. Right. And, and President Obama, I think, he doesn't quite want to ignore the Middle East, but he certainly doesn't want to uh, get too involved in it. And he wants to hope that we can put off dealing with fundamental problems and outsource them to Russia and the U.N. Security Council and, and, and you know, not have to really engage in some of the tough things, that tough challenges we face. And I think, unfortunately, it is going to be like the 90s. I really have had that feeling over the last week or two. Um, except it's worse, of course, after 9-11. Right. You could forgive both parties in the 90s. Uh, we'd won the Cold War. No one quite had a grasp, maybe, of where al-Qaeda, how, how potent a threat that could be, how deep the, the currents of Islamic extremism and, and uh, terrorism and, uh, were, but um, how, how incredibly dangerous the Middle East was. It's a little hard to say that now. And we've had, in fact, very on-the-ground demonstrations. I mean, 100,000 people killed in the Syrian civil war. And the president gives a speech about Syria last night where he, I guess he alludes to that, but he's one sentence, I think. But then it's all about, you know, well, I think we can get these weapons out of there. And if we get these weapons out of there, that's basically a success. And we're not going to get the weapons out of there anyway. Right. But nonetheless, even if one could, it's sort of amazing how that's the whole notion that we do. We can't just allow the Middle East to be a scene of 
chaos and wreckage and dictators and al-Qaeda. Um, that's, that he is really, the president does not want to deal with that, I think. Yeah, too bad George Bush wasn't as smart as Barack Obama and didn't promise an unbelievably small reaction to 9-11. If only he could have, we'll go to Afghanistan and it'll be an unbelievably small military effort. Then that would be great. I mean, it really is, you know, the, and this whole last week or two has also been so depressing, the utter lack of seriousness about the world we live in. Again, unreasonable people could differ on particular actions, particular choices, whether to intervene, how to intervene. But it's just the kind of uh, lightness of everyone's respect. To watch Kerry and Hagel and General Dempsey up there on the Hill, and these are the senior foreign policymakers in the U.S. government, really to watch the president last night. I hate to say this, he is our president, but I mean, that, he's, he's just, there was nothing... There was no gravitas to the speech, really, you know. It's this problem, and I want to tell you about it, and it's tough, and <laughs> luckily the Russians have stepped in, and hopefully they can do something about it, and I'll get back to you later. And, uh, you know, let's go back to uh, beating up Republicans for being obstructionists on, you know, Obamacare or right. something. I mean, it's really not, um, I don't know, it's it's depressing, actually. And I, I did an interview earlier today, and someone's uh, it said, you sound kind of depressed. And I said, I really am on this anniversary of 9-11. So many impressive things, really admirable things have been done by Americans in response to 9-11, individually, collectively. Uh, but I don't feel like our government now is, doing so, is, is, is behaving in a way that really makes us proud. If we could take the America of October 2001, you know, in the immediate aftermath of 9-11, and bring them into the future, would they believe it when I told them that we'd had a U.S. consulate attacked on the anniversary of 9-11 by al-Qaeda? And not only had we not taken any action, but that we still didn't know where the president was and what he was doing during that attack a year later? Would, they even, would that America tolerate the way that the Obama administration has handled whether it's Benghazi or the use of chemical weapons in Syria and the dangers in the Middle East today? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. Benghazi is a big deal for that reason. I mean, uh, the media is desperate to dismiss it. It's sort of a one-off event, terrible, but, you know, it's just sort of the thing that happened. But that it happened, the fact that it happened on 9-11, the fact that the administration had had the instinct to lie about it and then did lie about it for basically a couple of weeks uh, and still has not come to grips with what really happened there both in terms of actually punishing the people who did it but also thinking through the real al-Qaeda threat. I went to a briefing last week. Fred Kagan, who writes for us a lot, had upstairs at the American Enterprise Institute uh, for a small group. Just a very factual briefing on, on sort of where we stand in the war against al-Qaeda. And he said, uh, you know, they're they're gaining ground. I mean, you know, they're not doesn't mean that tomorrow they're going to take over you know, huge sure. countries or something. It doesn't mean that we're not stronger than them. But just empirically, if you map on the, you know, on, put on the map red splotches for where al-Qaeda is strong, for where they have real, real bases, real ability to mobilize people, how much uh, ground they control in different countries, how much they threaten different governments, ranging from Yemen to, to Syria, for that matter, how much they've been able to take over rebel groups like in Syria, where we haven't really uh, been participants, so we've left our friends sort of uh, naked before uh, the al-Qaeda forces and al-Qaeda-backed forces. It's just a depressing picture, you know, and, and um, I don't know if it, I hope it doesn't mean we have another 9-11, obviously, or anything even close to it, but we are not, for a while there, whatever the mistakes Bush made, there's no question that we were on the offensive, that I think we were gaining ground, that al-Qaeda and related elements were losing ground. Uh, maybe Bush was over-optimistic about what we could do in the Middle East and, and so forth, but, um, but now we're not on the offensive. We're playing defense. We're not even playing it particularly well, I don't think. I think we're playing it well in some narrow areas of intelligence and homeland security, probably, and drone strikes. But um, 
but this president's going to get a, a three more years of this administration um, trying to sort of finesse its way out of dealing with the real threats that we see is not a uh, not a happy prospect. And the fact that they got away with it in Benghazi, at least temporarily, got themselves through the election day, I think is actually important. I think it emboldened Obama to think, you know, I, I don't have to really come to grips with what's happening in these different parts of the world. Except, as he now says, he, he just reassures people that an intervention in Syria wouldn't be in it wouldn't be like Libya, as if like he's distancing himself from his own intervention, right? I mean, you know, that that was even too hard. This one's <laughs> going to be even smaller than Libya. Really, is that now the the standard? We once thought we could do Afghanistan and Iraq. Now we can't even do uh, Libya-sized intervention. Well, now we have to just pick out which consulate in Syria will be bombed by al-Qaeda after we bomb Syria, and then we'll have it all worked out. Bill Crystal, thanks for those inspiring, uplifting words here on September 11th. Sheesh, but it, uh, that is the way the world is. This has been the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please check out weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.